0: You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. The Bible is true, and Jesus is God. That's what we want to talk about this morning. Well, his very name indicates something about his ministry. Jesus is really a derivative of the name Joshua, and it means God is my Savior, Christ is not his last name. It literally means anointed or chosen by God. Therefore, to save people from their sins. Jesus lived about 2000 years ago. He grew up in a small town. His mom was a teenager as best we can tell. His adoptive dad, maybe in his twenties, they were poor. Jesus never traveled more than about 100 miles from his home never held political office, never commanded an army, but he has changed the world unlike any other historical figure because here we are a few thousand years later in the wake of the person and work of Jesus Christ and we are celebrating his birth in this global event called Christmas. So we're here to worship, to meet with to commemorate and celebrate Jesus Christ. And what I want to do, I want to look at some things that the Bible says about the person and work of Jesus. And so I'm really honored to be able to open the Bible for you. And I've been praying this week that God will use it to reveal to you Jesus and to change your life. For those of you who may not be familiar with the Bible, it is a library of 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And the Old Testament prepares us for Jesus' coming. The New Testament is his arrival, his life, his death, his resurrection, and the church growing in the wake of Jesus' life. And as I like to say, it's all about Jesus. These books of the Bible were written over the course of about 1,500 years through 40 different human authors in the course of three different continents and a whole bunch of different cultures, but in Africa, in Asia, and in Europe. That being said, when the Bible was written, about 25% of it was prophetic in nature, Prophetic means that God rules the future, God knows the future, God reveals the future. God anticipates and prepares his people for the coming of Jesus. Again, 25% of the Bible, when it was written, was prophetic, describing in, in intricate, incredible detail the coming of Christ. This means the Bible is unlike any other religious book. The Bible is roughly has roughly 300 prophecies that were all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In a moment, we're going to look at some of these, not all of them. We'll be here till next week. We're going to look at eight of them. That being said, this is revelation. This, there is God, there is us. And we don't know who God is. We don't know where God is. We don't know what God is like. So there are Two options. Option number one is we can sort of take our best guess as to who God is, what God's like, where God is. The other option is revelation. And that is that God speaks to us. God reveals himself to us. God introduces himself to us. That's exactly what takes place in the pages of Scripture. And with these prophetic promises... As we jump into this, you're going to hear that every single one of these are B.C., that they are prophecies given before Jesus Christ. With this one interesting footnote, history literally swings on the hinge of the life of Jesus Christ. B.C. means before Christ. A.D. is Latin for Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. We literally measure time in all of human history by this God-man, Jesus Christ. And so what we're gonna see is how God was preparing his people for the coming of his son, our savior Jesus, eight different prophetic promises in the Old Testament that point us to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Number one, written 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah the prophet in chapter seven, verse 14 says this, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. There are multiple promises in this one prophecy. Ultimately, God will reveal himself through a virgin. So it's gonna be this unique, supernatural, once in human history, birth. Not only that, but the child who will be born is gonna be a male child, a son. And what's his name gonna be? Emmanuel, by the way, sometimes you'll see that with an E, sometimes with an I, it depends upon if it's Greek or Hebrew. His name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. You need to know this. We don't go up to God. God comes down to us. All other religions are about how we try to work our way up to God. Jesus Christ is how God comes down to us to be with us. So Jesus is the promised son through the virgin birth, and he is Emmanuel, God with us, so ours is a visited planet. Number two, we are told not only how he would be born, but where he would be born. 700 years before Christ, Micah 5, 2 promised, but you, Bethlehem, that's the city, Ephrathah, that's the region though you are small among the clans of Judah. So this was an obscure, small, uh, rural town. No one really paid much attention to it until Jesus arrived at it. Out of you, is the next part of this verse, will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are of old from ancient times. The original language in which this was written says that he will be coming from eternity into history. So the creator enters into creation. He who is without and beyond time will enter into time in a moment of time. So it tells us that he would be coming to this small town of Bethlehem. Now, if you're familiar with the Christmas story, you know that Mary and Joseph were not living in Bethlehem. They lived in another small, obscure, rural town called Nazareth. Just so happens, the government decides that they want to ensure all taxes are being paid. Imagine a government doing that. Well, the point is, God can even work through governments and taxes. We call that a miracle. So what happens here is a miracle involving government and taxes, and they decide that everyone needs to go to their hometown, the family of origin town, to register for the census. Again, it just so happens that Jesus' adoptive father, Joseph, is from the hometown of Bethlehem. So the decree is sent forth at exact right time. That though Mary is, should we call her very pregnant? I know if you're pregnant, you're pregnant, but I mean, great with child is the way the scripture calls it. At that moment, that the family would travel to Bethlehem and the providence of God find themselves in Bethlehem at the time of Jesus' birth to fulfill the promise and prophecy of this great prophet Micah. In addition... The prophets tell us not only how he would be coming and when he would be coming, but also when he would be coming. Prophecy number three, about 450 years before Christ, Micah 3.1 says this, I will send my messenger, by the way, that's Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord, that is the Lord Jesus, That you are seeking will come to, where? His temple. The one that all human history is longing for will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Now you need to know this. The temple was destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans. This then gives us a timeline an historical timeline that he had to come before 70 AD because the temple would be destroyed. If he's coming to his temple that now lies in ruins and rubble, I've been there, there is no temple. So he's gonna be coming through the womb of the Virgin Mary. He would be coming to the town of Bethlehem And he would have to come before 70 A.D. And he's going to enter into his temple, fulfilling all of that temple's ministries. In addition, number four, we read from Isaiah 35, again, 700 years before Christ, we read this. These two verses, then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy one of the ways we would know that we are a visited people and planet is that when the king of kings brings his kingdom we will see supernatural miracles unleashed unfolded what was promised is that Jesus wouldn't be a mere mortal he would do supernatural things we call them miracles in the days of Jesus he raised the dead, the lame ran, the sick were healed, the blind would see, the deaf would hear, and the mute would sing the praises of our God. You and I live in a cursed, broken, fallen world. It doesn't matter how many dollars we spend, how many wars we wage, how many prescriptions we fill, how many elections we hold. Until Jesus comes, everyone and everything is broken. But when the king comes, there is healing. When the king comes, there is deliverance. When the king comes, there is life. And this absolutely was fulfilled in the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. Not only that, prophecy number five, we then read how he would die. 1,000 years before Jesus walked the earth, we read this in Psalm 22. Dogs, which is a pejorative Term used toward his enemies and critics. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. So the promise was given that the Messiah, the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us, would be crucified through his hands and feet. What's amazing about this is that not only does it predict and promise the crucifixion of Jesus, but it predicts and promises the crucifixion of Jesus 200 years before crucifixion was even invented by the Persians. It says that Jesus would be crucified before there was crucifixion. You see, to silence Jesus, he was sentenced to death and ultimately crucified. And they crucified him by driving large nails into the most sensitive nerve centers of the human body. Where are those? His hands, his feet. This connects Christmas, his birth, with Good Friday, his death. In addition, prophecy number six. The Bible tells us in advance that he would be betrayed. 500 years before Christ, the Old Testament prophet Zechariah in chapter 11 writes this. They paid me 30 pieces of silver. And it continues. And the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter, the handsome price at which they valued me. So I took 30 pieces of silver and threw them to the potter at the house Now that being said, it says that Jesus would be betrayed and that his bounty on his head would be 30 pieces of silver. Not 29, not 31, not bronze, silver, not gold, silver. Jesus was betrayed by a pretend friend named Judas Iscariot who for three years was in the presence of Jesus plotting his betrayal. And when he betrays Jesus, he is given, how many pieces of silver by the leaders? 30. Fulfilling this prophecy exactly. And when it says that it was thrown in to the potter at the house of the Lord, That was a portion of the temple that existed until it was destroyed in 70 A.D. And Judas did exactly that. He threw the money into the temple. Prophecy number seven. Then the Bible tells us what Jesus would say when he dies on the cross in our place for our sins. It says this in Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Friends, you need to know that when Jesus dies on the cross in our place for our sins, as our substitute, as our Savior, he quoted this very verse and he identified it, applied it to himself. As he is dying on the cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when Jesus died, he was forsaken so that you and I could be forgiven. Christians like to explain this by calling it the great exchange. That Jesus is God who took our place and put us in his place. He died that we might live. He had condemnation that we might receive salvation. He was separated from the Father so we could be reconciled to the Father. He would endure wrath so that we would receive grace You need to know that Jesus lived a life that we have not lived, a life without sin. And that Jesus died the death we should die, a death for sin. To sin against God results in death and separation from the living God who is the source of life. And on the cross, Jesus said he was fulfilling all of this by quoting Psalm 22 verse 1. Now, I have some very good news for you. Jesus did not stay dead. <laughs> Jesus is alive right now. Jesus is ruling and reigning right now. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords right now. And we're going to sing in a minute. And when you sing, your praises are going into his presence as with the angels honoring celebrating the finished work of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And here is the final promise and prophecy we'll look at today. 1,000 years before Jesus walked the earth, Psalm 16 says, you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. So the one who would die would not stay dead. Nor will you let your faithful one see decay. We all sin, we all die, but there's one who dies and does not remain dead (laughs) because he did not sin and he rises from death and his name is Jesus Christ. I have such good news to tell you. This brings us from Christmas to Good Friday to Easter and it's all about Jesus. Christmas is about his birth. Good Friday is about his death. Easter is about his resurrection. The good news is this, that everything that God promised in advance about Jesus came true in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here we are a few thousand years later from these events. King and kingdoms have come and gone, but the church of Jesus Christ remains. Movements and causes have come and gone, but the church of Jesus Christ marches on. You and I are now part of the biggest movement movement of any sort in the history of the world. We gather with brothers and sisters around the globe during this season, celebrating and worshiping in the billions the person and work of Jesus Christ. If Jesus had not come, we would not be here. If Jesus did not rise, we would not be gathering. But we are here in the la- in the wake of the life, death, burial, resurrection and the great victory of Jesus Christ. All this to say, God knows the future. God rules the future. God reveals the future. And I have more good news for you. If you belong to Jesus Christ, He reveals a great and glorious future for you. Not only will you die, all of us will, but you will also rise. You will walk away from your grave you will see Jesus face to face. You will enter into the kingdom of God where he will wipe every tear from your eye and you will be singing his praises as his people together forever. So we're here to celebrate Jesus. We're here to honor Jesus. We're here to love Jesus. We're here to get excited about Jesus. And I would just say this in closing. For those of you who still have some skepticism, some doubt, my question is this. What would you give as an alternate explanation for all of these great prophecies and promises? I only shared eight. Remember, there are over 300 that are all fulfilled in Jesus So if you still have speculation, if you still have doubt, I would have to say the burden of proof is on you. Because if God did not write this book through those human authors, then who did? And if Jesus did not fulfill all of those prophecies from the Bible, who did? We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.